Good people, this is David opposing the Matrix. How are you today? <laughs> what a day I've had today, folks. You know, the show that I'm doing right now, I did it two nights ago. Um, it was about a little over an hour. I did it. And um, because I forgot to check off one checkbox, there was silence for about 12 minutes. Um, this program really needs to uh, make it so that when you're doing something, you know, uh, screen share like this, <clears throat> that it automatically does the, the sound. Why you have to check that box, I have no idea. It's useless to me. Anyway, enough complaining. Um, I was talking with Brian today. I had a very interesting conversation. It doesn't pertain to our show tonight, but um, he happens to know somebody that uh, has close ties with uh, our military, U.S. military, and um, confirmed that there's... Um, what do you say, 30,000 or 300,000 Chinese troops in British Columbia? I looked it up today, and there's um, there's some videos with a guy somewhere in British Columbia. I think it was some island. I can't remember what island it is. And um, he uh, drove past uh, probably about uh, 60 or 70 guys, uh, Chinese, that were um, running, <laughs> uh, doing exercises, running. And... Um, and also, I read, I, I saw some um, videos with uh, stating that the uh, Canadian government was doing um, joint air drills with the Chinese government in um, in, in Quebec, uh, Ontario. Um, Canadians, if you watch this, you're from Canada. Do everything you can to get Trudeau out of there. He is the bastard child of Fidel Castro and. Um, and his mother, Mrs. Trudeau, who had a reputation for sleeping around. Boy, did she make a monster with this one. So, um, yeah, if you can, start a grassroots effort to get him out of office if it's possible at all. I don't know how your politics and stuff work up there. Um, but if you have recalls and stuff like that, please do it, okay? I think even the liberals up in uh, Canada would, would go for that right now. So, Okay. Strange stuff, folks. Okay. I'm going to do that. All righty. I'm looking at the stream that's going on right now, and uh, very, very fuzzy for some reason, very pixelated. But frankly, Charlotte, I don't care right now. <laughs> um, I was really had my bubble burst when I was doing this show the other night and realized that it was missing the, uh, the audio. <clears throat> there should be audio there today. Okay, so what we're going to talk about, is uh, Big Pharma and government and how they work together, or I should maybe how they feed off of each other. Um, and uh, and talk about that. I've had some experience with this after working for in pharmacy for 25 years. I got to see some things that were interesting, and I'll share a couple of them with you. Um, but, uh, well, why don't I share those now, Okay. Uh, that way you get it out of the way and, you know, how I forget things. And I went, this way I won't forget it. Um, I, mostly in California, I worked in pharmacy. I worked uh, probably for about a year up here and then realized <laughs> uh, pharmacy, pharmacy personnel in Oregon make a lot less than in California. And as a matter of fact, not even enough to live off of. So, And then the bosses up here were, um, for lack of a better word, crappy. One guy looked like he was going to have a stroke any minute. And the other guy pretended to be a Christian, but uh, I don't know that uh, that leaves a lot to uh, to the imagination, so to speak. That guy's a Christian, and I don't want nothing to do with the religion. Um, anyway, uh, where am I going? Okay, so down in Sacramento, you know, where I did most of my work. I worked in Sacramento and Carmichael mostly, and um, so we had a. I worked in a closed-door pharmacy, and back then in, in the 90s and uh, early 2000s, uh, the drug reps used to come in, and, man, we got treated really good. Um, there were times when we would get treated to a lunch or dinner, uh, or they would have something catered and brought in. Um, and all we had to do was sit there and listen about how their new drug works. Uh, we would get mugs, pens, pads, um, sometimes some exotic stuff, too. 
you know, uh, out of the, you know, out of the imagination stuff. It's, it's really neat. The, the coffee cups are really neat. I remember one of them was for Tylenol number three and it was actually a tooth. That was a very fragile cup and it broke several times and I ended up throwing it out. Um, but, um, yeah, I've got them all in storage too. Just about every drug cup you could think of that, that came out for, for years or five or six years anyway. Uh, that came to an end uh, in the early 2000s, maybe even as early as 1999. I can't remember. I think it was the early 2000s. Um, somebody had complained that uh, these drug reps are coming out and they were influencing the pharmacists and basically trying to get the pharmacists to influence the doctors to get the doctors to uh, write for these medications. Um, I don't really, I really haven't ever seen a pharmacist influence a doctor before in that regard. Um, most doctors pretty well know what they want to, um, what they want to prescribe. And they might ask what questions, call up and ask questions, but I've never seen a pharmacist canvas a doctor to, to buy a certain medication. So that all came to an end, much to our chagrin. Um, they still brought out pads and pens, but that's about it. And, uh, after a while, you know, there was like 10,000 pens in the pharmacy. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so that was one thing, you know, we, they used to try to get us to do stuff like that, and and kind of that's what they do. They um, oh, what's that word? Uh, they have uh, people in Washington that, that approach the politicians and uh, try to influence them. And uh, advisors? No, not advisors. I can't think of the word. Um, but um, and so that's what they were trying to get us to do. Except they're more, very more, uh, much more. Um, successful because what the uh, drug companies can do is they can uh, donate to political uh, arenas and that's still allowed. So, uh, but I think, I think a lot goes on that we don't know about. And uh, I think that the, the, the amount of money that's um, bantered about and thrown around Washington is a lot higher than they're really allowed to give. But uh, you know, they probably perfected it into something now where, you know, they can, give this much here and give this much there. And they, they just come a dollar short <laughs> of um, the amount that they're supposed to give. So um, anyway, um, so I, another thing that happened was pretty interesting is um, um, I had a, <laughs> had a boss. His name was Grant. You'll never know who he is, but um, the name was Grant. And the guy was, yeah, screw loose, several screws probably. And he was even, um, you might not believe this, but he was even demon-possessed. I, I witnessed something one day that took me aback a little bit. Uh, maybe I'll share that. But um, I want to share this other thing first. Um, what happened was uh, they were working out deals between the, the drug companies and the um, Cardinal Distributing, which was the drug uh, company that, or, that gave us our drugs. You know, they, they were our supplier. And then there was us. So that, that was the chain, uh, the drug companies, Cardinal, and us. And uh, so it was happening. And it came to an end finally. But so here's the, here's the scenario. My boss, what he would do, he, uh, would, off, he would order maybe um, 100 bottles of a pretty expensive drug. And uh, he'd keep it in the pharmacy until the 31st of the month. Then he returned it. And if he did that, he'd get quite a kickback on it. And he was making a lot of money doing that. And uh, uh, the guy was a schmuck of the highest degree. And uh, so he got found out and he got uh, yelled at by the company and um, he stopped doing that. Uh, and one time it, it, it went awry and the, and the company got stuck with all you know, thousands of dollars worth of this drug. I mean, they use it after a while, but it just kind of ate up every every dollar that we had in our expense account. Um, so that was the kind of things that, that went on, you know, locally in the pharmacy. And I'm sure that that was just a microcosm of everything that was happening uh, in politics in Washington and on the state level, too. So um, I can only imagine what happens, <laughs> you know. I mean, if people got to be afraid of big pharma by becoming um, squealers, um, informers, uh, you know, they got to fear for their lives. You know, then big pharma is way too big for itself and it needs to be cut down. But anyway, um, so I was just got an idea of what, what's going on. And uh, 
So that having been said, um, I got a couple of articles that I want to read from, if that's okay with you. Uh, one of them's uh, an article about one of the uh, higher ups in Moderna talks about how um, how everybody that's getting the, the mRNA shot is, are actually the lab animals, the uh, the lab experiments to see if it works or not. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's pretty. I don't want to say that. Pretty gutsy. There is a good word. Um, then there's another article. CDC now admits that everything that it's done was wrong. So, but you know, CDC will say that, and then ten minutes later they'll come out and say that everything they did was right. They kind of they're they're Fauciist, you know. <laughs> they're that's good Fauciist. You got Maoists and Leninists and Fauciists. Um, but you know, Fauci changes his mind every half hour. It seems like, um, and so do the drug companies now. It appears so. And then we're going to listen or watch a video um, about from Robert F. Kennedy where he talks about all this stuff that's going on. So, um, okay. So well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm sorry. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning here, and I'm kind of spent. But this is a very important radio show that I need to do so that you can see <laughs> that even the drug companies are, are saying that they're – that they're crooked, and even the CDC is saying that it's crooked. So, anyway, this article is on Natural News, of course, and it's Moderna reps saying, everyone taking the COVID-19 vaccine is pretty much part of the clinical trial. In other words, lab rats. Um, and it, it was on uh, Friday, Ju- July 30th, 2021, and the author was Mary Villarreal. My goodness, I feel like I've read that a few times. I think I have. Um, okay. So it goes on and it says, and these aren't long articles, folks. So, you know, I won't be reading each article for a half hour. <laughs> I don't think I could do that anyway tonight. Okay, it says the leaked audio of a phone call between Moderna representative and a woman who developed Guyan Bar syndrome after receiving the company's experimental drug has confirmed something many of us already knew. We are witnessing the biggest clinical trial in vaccine history. During the course of the conversation, the Moderna representative admitted that all coronavirus COVID-19 vaccine recipients are pretty much part of the drug trial. The audio was released in June by reporter Stephen, or excuse me, Stu Peters. Whether the mainstream media admitted or not, COVID-19 vaccines are experimental. No less than the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, said so. Um, Natural Health 365 reported that in a, guide, in a guidance for industry dated uh, May 25, 2021, the FDA and Department of Health and Human Services, the HHS, specifically referred to COVID-19 vaccines as investigational. Okay. Investigational versus in, um, experimental drugs, according to the FDA. That's a subtitle. Okay, to those who wonder how different investigational is from experimental, the FDA explained it on their webpage, quote, an investigational drug can also be called an experimental drug, unquote. It also said before you can be given an investigational drug, either through the clinical test or through expanded access, your health care provider must give you additional information about the potential risks and potential benefits of the drug. How many of you had that? If you, if you got the vaccine, even if the doctor suggested it and you asked them, did you get anything about that? No, because it's such an experimental thing that nobody know anything about it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's akin to aliens coming down and asking them, you know, to describe their, their, uh, their educational process. You know, it's probably so different that we'd never be able to understand it. Um, and doctors, you know, they, they're only, they only tell you what they know and, uh, they don't know much when it comes to this stuff. They'll even admit it. Uh, this, the honest ones will. Okay. I'll continue. Pfizer, Moderna and Johnson and Johnson are not liable for any loss or damages caused by these experimental drugs as stated in the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, the PREP Act. The Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, the HHS, is authorized to issue a PREP, a PREP Act declaration. The declaration provides immunity from liability, ooh, except for, the, except for willful misconduct, for claims of loss caused arising out of relating to 
or resulting from administration or use of countermeasures to diseases, threats, and conditions for claims determined by the Secretary to constitute a present and credible risk of a future public health emergency and for claims to entities and individuals involved in the development, manufacture, testing, distributing, uh, administration, and use of such countermeasures. Boy, if I was writing that, Microsoft Word would be telling me it was a run-on sentence. Uh, but that's something. They, they can't be held liable. And that's a shame, too. And they, I, I'm sure they had that rammed through as a law because they knew that what they were going to be doing. They knew that someday they would have to make a vaccine for a disease and it would have to be real quick. Um, it, it's, it makes only sense, you know. <laughs> Um, this means that if a person gets ill, injured, or killed by the COVID-19 vaccine, the pharmaceutical companies will not be held liable. I almost said a bad word. Okay. It says, uh, related, it says, Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine experiment is tied to eugenics-linked institutions. And that's a link that goes somewhere else on their website. Okay. Another subtitle, Pharmaceutical Companies to Expand the Size of Trial for Younger Children. The Rockdale Newton Citizen recently reported that Moderna will expand the size of its its, uh, vaccine trials in younger children, but will not seek emergency use authorization for the age group until later 2021 or early 2022. Quote, we are actively discussing a proposal with with the FDA the objective is to enroll larger, uh, a larger safety base, safety database, excuse me, which increases the likelihood of detecting rarer events. Ray Johnson, a spokesperson for Moderna, said in a statement. Uh, sorry, these guys just really ticked me off. Um, okay, the original size of the trial included almost 7,000 children ages six to 12 years old. However, the company did not say how many additional cases of the trial will now include, will now be included. Um, Jordan also said that Moderna would likely seek authorization for the vaccine in a winter 2021 or early 22, uh, 2022. Okay. Pfizer will expand its vaccine trials for younger children as well. A Pfizer representative said it had no updates regarding its previous timelines or our details about the pediatric trial. However, the company noted that it began testing the vaccine in children ages 5 to 11 on June 8th and the children younger than 5 beginning June 21st. The trial now included up to 4,500 participants in the United States, Finland, Poland, and Spain. Pfizer also said it expects um, initial results of the second phase of the trials in September for children ages 5 to 11 and younger ones shortly thereafter. President Biden, (laughs) who would like to be President Joe Biden, said that children under 12 could be eligible to receive their COVID-19 vaccine soon. Parents have been eager to vaccinate. I'm going to say something in a minute. Parents have been eager to vaccinate their younger children as schools prepare to open face-to-face learning this fall. The Pfizer vaccine is currently available for children as young as 12, but no vaccine is available for younger children yet. I'm sorry, but if you stick your, if you get your kid vaccinated, that's child abuse. That's all I'm going to say about that. And you should have the child removed from your house. In a a good world, you would. Not in this one, of course. My goodness. You know, Yeshua had, has a special fondness for, for children. Uh, The Lord God does. Um, so he even said that those who teach children false things, it would be better for them that a millstone would be tied around their neck and they'd be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's how strongly he feels about it. Um, so in other words, it would be better that you did that than what you're going to face during the judgment, but you're going to face it anyway. So maybe it's like a double, um, a double sentence. Okay. Next article, CDC, and this is on Natural News, okay? CDC now admits that everything it pushed to cure COVID-19 has failed, including vaccines. And this was on uh, Thursday, July 19, 2021, by Ethan Huff. Ethan's a cool author. I like him. He um, he ad-libs a lot. <laughs> he says the things that the rest of us want to say. Now, the rest of us do say it. But, you know, he says it in a public forum. Okay, here we go. 
the verdict is in Wuhan coronavirus uh, COVID-19 vaccines are a bust. And so are masks, which takes us back to square one as far as the pandemic is concerned. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, CDC's latest declaration uh, states that fully vaccinated people can still catch and spread the Delta variant. For this reason, the CDC is urging all injected people to wear masks wherever they are around other people. Well, they should do it anyway because they, they shed that stuff all over people and they give it to, uh, they give it to people that haven't been injected. They're super spreaders. Okay. Let me continue. But wait, when were the masks ever effective? The answer is never. As the number of new cases of the Chinese virus only continued to rise all last year, and yet more people covered their faces with Fauci flu veils. <laughs> Fauci flu veils, I love it. Um, what this means, of course, is that everything the CDC and other government authorities told us to do for the past year and a half was a fraud. And now the agency has the gall to try to tell us to do it all again the second time for some unknown reason. Anti-socially distancing, staying at home, living in fear, modifying our DNA, and muzzling our faces all utterly failed to contain the Wuhan flu. Meanwhile, the only thing that actually worked to protect, protect, from, excuse me, to protect immunity were decried as misinformation by the CDC. Yeah, hydrochloroquine and zithromycin and ivermectin, too. Um, so where does that leave us? Back in the Chinese virus hell, at least until the world says enough to the merry-go-round and government tyranny, none of which ha- has done a single thing to save lives. The media, estab- excuse me, the medical establishment circus act of pushing masks and not pushing masks, then pushing masks again, has made a total mockery of the public he- of public health. Uh, even worse, the same medical establishment claimed that claimed they claimed otherwise um, than getting jab in a Trump vaccine would be a surefire way to bring about a disease-free new normal. Yeah, right. Uh, um, subtitle here, the CDC is responsible for deaths of untold millions of people. The reality we now face is one where there has one where those who took the government bait and rolled up their sleeves are now walking disease factories. This is why the CDC is urging the jab to cover their noses and mouths once again to protect everyone from everyone else from whatever it is that these people are now spewing everywhere they go. Unfortunately, all the CDC really had to do to save lives back in early 2020 was to inform the world about the health benefits of vitamin D, green tea, vitamin C, quercetin, and other immune-boosting uh, nutrients that uh, have been saving lives for millennia. Instead, the CDC chose to push big pharma poisons on all of us, as well as superstitious uh, face veils, <laughs> both of which uh, turned out to be a total bust. What becomes of those who believe the science remains to be seen, unfortunately. I'm, I'm saying unfortunately. Uh, right this moment, CDC head Rochelle Walensky is panicking all over, all over the news about how the vaccinated need to need to cover their faces immediately, especially in areas of the substantial and high transmission in order to prevent spread of the Delta variant and protect others. Uh, just a few months ago, she was saying exactly the opposite, of course, just as Tony Fauci, the flip-flopper, was. Both of these goons, <laughs> I love this guy, both of these goons have proven themselves to be ill-informed and unqualified and to effectively do their jobs, unless, of course, the job was to massively depopulate the planet, which it is. Uh, Walensky is uh, talking up her contradictory statements to new science, suggesting that the agency, which is actually a private corporation in disguise, simply stumbled upon this new information that evolved out of nowhere. Fauci is towing the same line, pretending as though the facts are changing and as more is learned about the pandemic. The latest news about CDC's fake science can be found at propaganda.news. Okay, folks. Oh, goodness. Reading at 1 o'clock in the morning. That's fun, but it's necessary. Um, so, you know, it's funny. I, From the beginning of this stupid pandemic, and it is a pandemic, um, 
I've been telling people, you know, this is garbage. Don't believe this stuff. It's not true. You know, oh, well, the CDC says and Tony Fauci, Anthony Fauci says and the WHO says and I don't know. The WHO, the CDC, and Tony Fauci, you know, the information they give out is about as good as, um, I don't know. You you pick the thing. I'm tired of picking things like that. Anyway, um, one man that I respect a lot, and he's a Democrat, okay, but he's an old Democrat, not the new schmucks that are running around, um, is, uh, excuse me, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is is, um, is a wonderful man, actually. And um, I agree with a lot of the stuff that he, he's preaching out there these days. He's deathly opposed to um, the COVID-19 vaccine. He says that he's not anti-vaccine. He's pro-safe vaccine, which is perfectly okay as far as I'm concerned. I am too, you know. I got vaccinated when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I think we got four vaccinations. I mean, we had to get boosters and stuff like that, but only four things. And uh, nowadays, I think was it by the time they turn 18, they've had 71 or 75 vaccinations. My goodness, no wonder people are getting uh, all these brain diseases and everything else. You know, it's um, it's it's really sad. It really is. And um, I don't know. I, I have a lot of respect for anti-vaxxers. I really do. I guess I'm one of them, so I should have respect. <laughs> anyway, um, you're going to notice that uh, when Kennedy talks, he's got a real shaky voice. And um, he gets better as it goes on. It's like when he gets worked up and excited, it, that goes away. But he's got something that's called spasmodic dystonia. Uh, dis, dystonia, this means um, difficult or painful, and tonia means talking or speech. And uh, if he's he's had it for a while, and he's going to have it the rest of his life. It's just the way it is. But uh, he does really good um, talking and um, and getting his point across. And he's an attorney, so he's uh, he's got some tools that he can use to uh, to fight these ridiculous. Um, Cretans that are up in the government and in uh, big pharma. And uh, the only thing that I fear is that he's a Kennedy. And when Kennedy starts speaking out against things, they end up getting dead. Um, I hope that doesn't happen to him. I really do. But um, we shall see. Right. Um, that's why we need to pray for for Kennedy. We really do. And uh, OK, so let's go ahead and. um yeah, let's go ahead and play this. Um, this this video is going to really bless you, or it might even fire you up a little bit. But um, anyway, it's it's really good, and and I it'll make you appreciate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. Okay, and then we'll go here and do this. Here we go, folks. Joining us now is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., chair of the board of Children's Health Defense and their senior prosecuting attorney as well. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between these federal regulatory agencies and these drug and vaccine companies. The Journal of American Medical Association just published an examination of the FDA, and this review, which was by a number of Harvard researchers, reveals a shift towards the FDA's use of, quote, less data to approve drugs and an escalating reliance on pharmaceutical industry payments to actually cover FDA salaries. Now, when it comes to an organization like the CDC, we have the example of Julie Gerberding, who was CDC director from 2002 to 2009 and then went on to become the head of Merck vaccines. Is it common for CDC and FDA employees to use this kind of revolving door? Well, there are many, you know, there are revolving door problems with all of our federal agencies and, and all of our state agencies. There's a phenomena that is very well documented called a agency capture, which is a phenomenon or a dynamic by which the agency that um, that's supposed to protect the American public from bad drugs or from pollution or what have you ultimately becomes a subsidiary or a sock puppet for the industry that it's supposed to regulate it. And indeed, um, that's what we see with CDC. The head of CDC from 2002 to 2009, as you point out, was Julie Gerberding. 
She did a number of billion-dollar favors for Merck. She silenced a whistleblower who was um, William Thompson, who is still a scientist at, at the CDC, who wanted to tell the public that testing of Merck's vaccine showed that particularly the MMR vaccine was causing autism in black boys and other people who got the vaccine on time and that the scientists had been ordered to destroy data showing that effect and that they went ahead and published the study uh, lying about it to the American people and the physicians. And Julie Gerberding did a huge favor to Merck by having that scientist punished and then silenced. She, uh, she arranged for Merck to get the a monopoly to the multi-billion dollar MMR vaccine and to make sure Glaxo could not sell its vaccine in this country. She approved the um, the HPV vaccine, Gardasil, which is another Merck product. She approved the chickenpox vaccine and silenced whistleblower Gary Goldman, that was another doctor who said this vaccine is going to cause a shingles epidemic. Merck then not only got the chickenpox vaccine, but it also was able to market a, a shingles vaccine. She retired in 2009, and she was made president of Merck's vaccine division in 2010 with a salary of about $2.5 million, I think about $5 million in stock options. The CDC is actually a vaccine company. The CDC has a total budget of about $11 billion a year. It spends $5 billion of that buying vaccines from those four companies and making sweetheart deals that are much higher, where we pay with taxpayer money much more for the vaccines than they pay for the exact same vaccine in Europe. And then they distribute those vaccines to the American public. So they're approving the vaccine. They're mandating for them for the public. They're buying them from these companies who they're friends with. And then they're um, they're basically forcing million, 78 million people to take an untested product. The CDC also owns patents on many of the vaccines. In fact, across HHS, which is the mother agency, FDA, CDC, and NIH, which all regulate vaccines, different parts of the vaccine industry are all parts of HHS. And those agencies are allowed to hold patents on the vaccines that their scientists work on and and then collect royalties. And in fact, officials in those agencies who worked on the vaccines can also own part of the patent and collect royalties of up to $150,000 a year. Every bottle of Gardasil that is sold HHS is making money on it. They make tens of millions of dollars a year. So you have the regulatory agency actually making money by pushing, by mandating this vaccine to people and then collecting money on it and ignoring the health effects when people are injured. And these are zero liability products. No matter how toxic the ingredient, no matter how um, grievous your injury, no matter how negligent the company, you can't sue them. They can do anything they want with a vaccine, and you can't do anything about it. Now, the four companies that make all 72 of these vaccines, Merck, Sanofi, um, Pfizer, and Glaxo, are all convicted felons. Those four companies in the last decade have paid over $35 billion in damages and penalties in fines or criminal fines for defrauding regulators, for falsifying science, for lying to doctors, for lying to patients and customers, for killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. You know, for example, Merck's flagship product before it put Gardasil on the market was Vioxx. Vioxx killed between 120,000 and 500,000 Americans. It was a, a pill at Merck marketed as a headache pill that caused heart attacks. Merck knew that it caused heart attacks because it knew it from its clinical trials, but it decided not to tell anybody. Most of those people who took that pill for a headache or for arthritis pain 
probably would have taken an aspirin if they knew that pill could have killed them. It requires a kind of cognitive, a weird cognitive dissonance for people to think that this same company, which is making most of our vaccines, is lying about its medical products and killing people, and is lying about its medical devices. But somehow it's decided to tell the truth about vaccines, which is the only product where it can never get caught. The only reason if all of those companies that Merck got caught on Vioxx and those other companies got caught on their other products is because private plaintiff's attorneys representing injured clients sued the company, got discovery documents that showed criminal behavior, and then walked those documents down to the U.S. Attorney's Office. That's what happened in Vioxx. The only place that could never happen is with vaccines, because you can't sue them. So there is no discovery. There are no depositions. There are no document searches. They can get away with it forever. And even if they get caught, there's nothing you can do about it, because you can't sue them. Oh, it's crazy to think that, you know, and a lot of Democrats in our country, and I'm a Democrat, and that, but this led to these mandates are being pushed by Democrats across the country, and they will tell you, yeah, these, these companies are corrupt. They gave us the opiate crisis, and they knew they were going to do it, and they did it anyway, and to think that those same companies somehow, you know, are are corrupt on every other product, but somehow when it comes to vaccines, they found Jesus and they're not going to do that when they know they can't get caught. Um, by the way, I'll make one last point. These companies today are making $60 billion a year selling vaccines and they're making about $500 billion a year, half a trillion dollars selling the albuterol inhalers, the Advair for asthma, the Adderall and Ritalin and Concerta for ADHD, the diabetes medication and, all, and the anti-seizure drugs and all of these uh, medications for the chronic diseases that are caused by vaccines. That is a, a really good business plan for them a really bad health plan for the United States of America. The UN's World Health Organization says that anti-vaxxers are among the top 10 global health threats of last year, 2019. What's your reaction to the movement against vaccinations or rather unsafe vaccinations being characterized in this way? Well, you know, that's part of pharma's strategy to um, to mandate vaccines for every man, woman, and child in the world and to give us all the IDs and to make it so that we can't travel, we can't drive a car, we can't, exercise, we can't get an education, we can't exercise our constitutional rights unless we coercively consume, you know, by force, they're untested, zero liability medical products. The World Health Organization, that's really a misnomer. The World Health Organization is even more captured than CDC is. The World Health Organization gets half of its budget from industry. It is absolutely controlled from top to bottom by the pharmaceutical companies and particularly the vaccine makers who use WHO to, you know, fabricate pandemics like the swine flu, like the H1N1, and make billions of dollars on pandemics that never happen and end up hurting a lot of people in the process and, and using the WHO to dump bad vaccines all over Africa and tell the African countries, you know, you got to take these or you're going to lose your all of your budget for your health departments and for HIV treatment and everything else. WHO is a um, is just a sock puppet for the pharmaceutical industry. And that was, you know, that's part of the pharmaceutical industry's strategy to make us all take untested medical products out. I, you know, I am pro-vaccine, but I want safe vaccines. People call me anti-vaccine because that's a way of shutting me up and marginalizing me and saying, well, you don't have to pay attention to him. 
he's anti-vaccine. And people who are anti-vaccine are crazy. But I've been fighting to get mercury out of fish for 35 years. Nobody calls me any fish. I, you know, I like to have seatbelts and automobiles. People don't say I'm any automobile because I'm asking for something completely reasonable, which is to have a vaccine safety tested the way that every other medical product has to be safety tested. And what I've said to the vaccine industry, to the regulators, to the press that tries to shut me up, show me one study that favorably compares vaccinated children to unvaccinated children and shows that the vaccinated children are actually healthier. And I will post that on my website and I will get out of this business and I'll go back to Waterkeeper and protecting rivers full time, which is what I want to be doing with my life. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay. <clears throat> so we can get rid of that. Hey, look at that. There I am. So what did you think? <clears throat> what did you think about that, people? Um, pretty interesting, huh? You just basically labeled the far- big pharma, uh, the CDC and the WHO as criminal organizations. Uh, you and I did. If you and I did what they're doing, <laughs> we'd be thrown into prison for the rest of our lives. You know, but because they're um, they make money for the government and they make money for themselves and they donate to political causes and to uh, political people. Um, and they've got and they ramrodded a, a bill through to where they, they're not responsible, not culpable for any damages that happen uh, because of the vaccines. <clears throat> they, you know, they just sit back pretty <clears throat> and um, and watches um all these children and young adults and middle-aged people and older people are are being injected with that poison and uh it's a sad state of affairs um did you notice um when i was reading um that pfizer and moderna want to increase the price of the vaccine over in europe Okay, why why would that happen? You know, what do you think? I've got an answer, well, an answer. I don't know if it's the answer. And uh, my my theory is that um, what's going on is uh, if you look at Italy, people are starting to get out in the streets and protest. You look at France, the same thing. Germany, the same thing. England, the same thing, but not as much. The English have basically rolled over and died where this is concerned. Um, no pun intended. Um, and there are other countries too where people are getting out and, and complaining about this stuff. Tired of being locked in their houses. They're tired of being told they have to take a vaccine. And, um, so most of them are in Europe. And that's why I think Pfizer's like, okay, or Moderna too. They're like, okay, well, you guys are going to complain. We're going to raise the price of the, the vaccine. And, uh, you know, maybe there won't be as much of a supply. And if there's not as much of, as a supply, the governments that are yelling out that everybody has to get vaccinated won't be able to vaccinate anybody, everybody. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's a vicious circle, basically. Um, anyway, so that's that was my theory about that. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, I um, I made some notes while she was he was talking. Um, back in the 30s, I think it was, there was an experiment called the Tuskegee experiment. And don't get that mixed up with the Tuskegee Airmen. I mean, the town is the same, but it's, they're different people. Okay. Uh, Tuskegee had a very large, it has a very large, um, black population. And back in the, um, 30s and 40s, um, the government decided, um, hey, we're going to conduct an experiment. Uh, we're going to see if we inject people or expose them to syphilis, how long. Uh, we're going to try different things. They said they were going to try different things. There was no cure for syphilis back then. But uh, we're going to try and see, you know, basically how long it takes people to die. Now, they, people were given shots and stuff and told that that's, this was a cure. Uh, it never was. Like I said, there was no cure because um, uh, syphilis is a bacteria. 
and, bac- and bacteria are treated by antibiotics, and antibiotics weren't invented uh, or successfully marketed, I should say, um, until well into the 40s. Um, they didn't even have them for the uh, the servicemen during World War II. So it was after World War II that the penicillin came out and became um, a popular drug to give to fight infection. But um, so anyway, there's a test where, uh, you know, people were actually given a disease um, just to see how long it took them to die. And, of course, it was drug companies and other people that did that. Um, another one uh, back in the 50s, and I hope I got this drug, drug right, thalidomide was given to pregnant women because it stopped their their um, their morning sickness. And uh, but what it did is it uh, severely injured the uh, fetuses that were in the in the woman the women, and a lot of people came out with birth defects, you know, missing arms or missing a leg or or other um, birth defects and deformities, and they had, <clears throat> they had to take it off the market. So this whole thing of recalling drugs is not a new thing. Um, I think that if it would have been studied, maybe those parents or those pregnant women would not have taken that drug because it wouldn't have been available. And their children, you know, they would have had to go through the morning sickness. And I understand that morning sickness is a terrible thing. Um, I don't know how you gals do it to tell you the truth. Um, I think that's the strength of being a woman, you know, but, um, he, uh, you know, you, back in the fifties, they would have just had to, put up with it and uh, and put up with the morning sickness, live with it until it ended. Um, I understand sometimes it doesn't end most uh, during the pregnancy. Um, you got the women that have that problem. you got my prayers. You're really, uh, um, it's not bad enough. You got to carry around another person in your body, which I understand for women is a blessing for most women anyway. And, uh, but, you know, put up with all the pain and the discomfort and everything, but the throwing up is just totally, I can't, I can't imagine. So, anyway, uh, this has been going on for a long time, it's giving out bad drugs and then um, and then having to call them back in after all these problems happen. So, um, as I go with this? Anyway, folks, um, let's see. Now we've been on for a while. I don't know exactly how long, but um, I think uh, I've gotten the point across that I wanted to make um, that pharma, uh, big pharma and government make satanic bedfellows. Oh, real quick, um, speaking of that, um, I get a kick out of, you know, these, these big wigs and the pharmacy companies and stuff like that. I, I honestly don't think that they have a conscience. Uh, perhaps they're, um, they have a seared conscience or they never had one. Perhaps they're psychopaths, you know, uh, or um, they were born to perdition. I think as we get closer and closer to the, uh, well, we are in the end times, but as we get closer and closer to the end of the end times, I think we're going to be finding more and more people that are born to perdition. And uh, we, can, we can do a show on born to perdition someday. I think it'd be a really good one. I'll talk to Brian about it, but <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah, how, how you could do that, how you could kill, you know, maybe millions or upwards of maybe two billion. Maybe that's their plan. I really don't know. Uh, Georgia Guidestone says that they want to get the population down to 500 million. Uh, we're at about seven, um, 7.5 million. So that's killing 7 billion people. Well, we know that, uh, get that later. Uh, we know that from uh, scripture that, you know, a lot of people are going to die, but it's going to be from other things. So I don't know if this um, this is going to be successful. I hope it isn't. I really do, because I've got family members and I've got good friends that have gotten that jab in their arm. And I really don't want to see them die or become severely disabled. And um, I'd rather see them live out the end of their days, you know, natural days. <laughs> um you know, free from the encumbrances that could happen with uh, with this shot. So we need to be praying for those people, and uh, we need to be praying for. Uh, excuse me. We need to be praying for um, for things in general. Uh, we need to pray that uh, 
Yahweh wins in this and that Satan loses. Um, you know, Satan, as real quick, I'll say, um, he just doesn't hate Christians. He just doesn't hate Christians and Jews. He just doesn't hate certain people. He hates everybody. Me, you, everybody that listens to this or doesn't listen to it, that's a human being with 46 chromosomes. The devil hates us. He hates us because mankind was made in the image of God. So to say that he hates one particular people more than another might be true for the time being, but he tries to wipe out humanity during the end of days. Um, Yeshua even said that if he didn't come back early, uh, there's a chance that no flesh would survive. Um, that's how dire and critical this is. <clears throat> so <clears throat> it's it's very important to remember that um, while right now the target might be Christians and Jews, um, later on it, it could it could increase to uh, once once Christians and Jews are gone. Well, Jews will always be around, but uh, Christian real Christians are gone, and then well others will be born again during the tribulation, but um, when we're greatly diminished, let's put it that way, he's going to turn on other people. He's going to turn on the Muslims. He's going to turn on uh, the Baha'is, the uh, the Hindus, the the Taoists, the Buddhists, the uh, Shintoists, you know, um, and, and even, um, even people that have no faith, atheists and agnostics. He's going to turn on them too, and uh, he, he's uh, he's got a good practice. Uh, well, he's got a practice. It's not good of using people up and then spitting them out. And uh, if you've ever been around the drug culture or homeless people and stuff like that, you know how that is. You know, they were once at one time they were somebody's kid. They were uh, maybe they worked in a nice job and everything. And then one day they decided to just give up or they were fired or let go or, or, you know, circumstances led to them out on the street, you know? And, um, anyway, the devil likes to eat people up and spit them out. So, um, if we just remembered that, you know, everybody remembered that and knew that not from experience, but just knew it that, uh, maybe we would uh, have a change of attitude and, and love one another more than we do right now. Anyway, I'm babbling on, so I'm just going to go ahead and get off of this. But um, I just want to thank you again. Uh, we have a wonderful audience. We always have and we always will. And uh, we really appreciate you and greatly. So you guys have a blessed uh, blessed week and weekend. Um, maybe I'll do a show again before Monday. I don't know. <clears throat> Hope you liked the show with Gordy yesterday. I thought that was an awesome show. Um, and... Um, Anyway, be blessed, um, love one another, and uh, live long and prosper. Good night.